This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Good morning. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. With your hosts, David Hahn. Are they setting people up for this unrealistic expectation that 2023, they're suddenly going to use that $100 million in cap space and all this draft capital they have? Voila! playoff contender and Dan Weeder and you think suddenly that there are going to be 40 new players that are all difference makers I just don't know what fantasy land that is we're going to take the north and never give it back welcome to the take the north podcast I'm David Hoff from 670 the score the Mullen Haw show Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune covers the Bears and we are joining you after the divisional playoff round and like we do typically Every January, it seems, Dan, we are watching these playoffs through the Chicago prism. We're looking for takeaways to apply to the Bears because the Bears aren't there. And they haven't won a playoff game since January in 2011. It's been a very long time, but it was a very interesting weekend in the playoffs. I feel like the games weren't the best games, but I think it produced the four best teams as we look forward to Conference Championship Sunday. Yeah, you said January 2011. I was just kind of rolling through in my head. I've lived in five different places, five different residences since the last time the Bears won a playoff game. So that's how long it's been. And this weekend's football was fun. I got to admit, these games went way different than I thought they were going to go. I thought the Chiefs were going to roll over the Jaguars and the Jaguars hung around to the very end. I thought the Eagles were going to struggle in a division game against the Giants and they rolled from start to finish. I thought the Bills were going to take advantage of a a beaten up Bengals offensive line and wreak havoc defensively and they never did. And then obviously the the, the final game of the weekend was that that fun uh, 49ers-Cowboys game. It just, uh, uh, you know, a fun weekend, but it it goes to show you that you can never have preconceived notions about these games because they'll be uh, popped like a, a summer bubble pretty quickly. Before we get into some of the takeaways, I want to remind people you are obviously listening or watching to the Take the North Pod on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch us on the 670 Scores YouTube page and the Odyssey YouTube page because that's where you're going to find us this offseason. We will drop a couple podcasts per week, typically on Tuesday and Friday mornings, keeping track of what should be a very significant offseason for the Bears. There's Arlington Heights. There's the number one overall draft pick, free agency, et cetera, et cetera. So, Dan, I think what's interesting about the conference championship matchups, and I think I said this on the Mullen Haw Show, and I think when you're looking for takeaways and there's always the tendency to want to maybe overstate something you see and, and apply it to what where you live and the team yeah. you cover. You look at the NFC and you got two teams in the 49ers against the Eagles, and I feel like they built their strengths from the ball on out. And I think the 49ers with Brock Purdy being able to plug in their their third quarterback this year and Jalen Hurts ascending the way he did, still the strength of their football teams are from the ball on out, offensive line, defensive front, whatever the case may be. Whereas in the AFC, 
Chiefs, Bengals, I really think every conversation about those two teams starts with the quarterback. Yeah, for Joe sure. Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, those words, those guys, they speak for themselves. But I think that's an interesting contrast in both conferences about why the teams are where they are. Well, you know, it's interesting because you and I could probably sit here on January 23rd, 2023 and say that we both expect Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow to have Canton ceremonies five years after their careers are over, right? Like these guys are both looking like shoe-in Hall of Famers. And so if you get one of those guys at the most important position, you position yourself to be successful year in, year out, in January, into February. That's one way to do it. If you're not lucky enough to find a, a shoe and Hall of Famer at the most important position, you have to do a lot of other things right. And what you point out with the, the 49ers and the Eagles is the ability to just be sturdy, to be rock solid in the trenches and to have things that you can believe in in there that then elevate the entirety of your football team. And, and, and look, you can't say enough about what Kyle Shanahan is doing with the 49ers. You, you talked about them being on their third quarterback. It's unfathomable in this league to be on the third quarterback and, and to be as dominant as they've been for a three month span now, really. I mean, they, they haven't uh, stepped in anything in, in the last three months. And so they look like they're, they're, they're ready to roll here. And again, the Eagles, you just, even when they came here in December, they obviously did not play their best game when they played the bears, but even studying them before they got here, you just saw what that, what that, what that sturdiness on both lines really meant to the whole engine of the whole thing. So I'd wonder then, because we have, you know, just gotten done with the season where, and with, with obvious reason in Chicago, you're always looking for the quarterback. You want to, everything revolves around uh, Justin Fields because before that, everything revolved around Mitch Trubisky because before that, everything revolved around Jay Cutler. And there's this understanding and this kind of quest to find the perfect quarterback to win with and because of. And and I just, I think this is why part of the conversations is, as we were having them throughout the season the two best teams in the conference just they found their you know the eagles found jalen hurts in the second round and the 49ers found whoever was left standing <laughs> they're making the best argument for why you draft a quarterback every year because in an odd way they have built an offense both in scheme and structure where the quarterback is interchangeable it's like a right guard. And I don't mean that with any disrespect because Brock Purdy still has to protect the football and he did a better job of doing that than Dak Prescott. But the quarterback truly is interchangeable in that offense. Jalen Hurts is different. He has a little a degree of special in him. But you can't tell me we had this conversation before the Eagles played the Bears. If you plop Justin Fields in the middle of that offense, they probably would still be in the conference championship game. That's a good argument, but I think that so th that's why, yeah, you, you're looking for the unicorn. You're looking for the number one pick or the number one draft pick or a first-round draft pick that becomes Burrow or Mahomes. But there's also a method that can be defended and, and justifiably so when you talk about why the 49ers and Eagles did it their way. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, that's the reason I brought up Kyle Shanahan's name a minute ago is because I, the, the, he has a level of special um, that allows you to uh, unite with a, a young quarterback like Brock Purdy and make sure he understands uh, how to do what he needs to do without trying to do too much. And they, they found the perfect mix right there. Um, but look, like you're not going to hit the lottery in the quarterback market. No one knows that better than Chicagoans. Nobody knows that better than Bears fans. And so you cannot plan to have 
have a transcendent Hall of Fame quarterback until you have a transcendent Hall of Fame quarterback. Justin Fields isn't that yet. Uh, we'll see where he can go in year three of his development, have a much better view at this time next year where, where his career is headed. But with that said, you've got to know how to build the nucleus. I, I, I'm very heartened by the fact that Ryan Poles' last stop was in Kansas City, that he was there before they were any good, that he watched that team go from 2-14 and 14 to being a team now that is making its fifth straight appearance on Conference Championship Sunday. They become a mainstay on Conference Championship Sunday. And so when Ryan tells you out loud that he's not in this trying to find a one-year high, you know, he wants a seven, eight, nine year span where you can feel really proud about the football program you put together. And that starts by being patient. It starts by knowing how to really sturdy and solidify a roster. And it's going to start this offseason by figuring out what they can do on the front seven on defense and on the offensive line on offense to make this thing start to move in the right direction. You're probably right. But I underscore probably because <laughs> I don't know. If I do feel better about that after watching the Chiefs, because I think what the Chiefs also got good, had the good fortune of drafting this quarterback, which made everything else better and every decision seemed smarter. Whereas, okay, then let's go back to last Tuesday, Kevin Warren talking about the NFC being wide open. Yeah. If it's that wide open, and I don't disagree with him, I mean, look, what's the difference between the Cowboys? Uh, in the Giants, the Giants, uh, they get into the playoffs. They get they get steamrolled by the by the Eagles. But my point would be, it is wide open. And do any of these teams look beyond your reach if you start to get into the playoffs and anything can happen? I, I don't I don't know if that's a better way. It's probably not a, a more sustainable type of success to have. But when Kevin Warren said that, it gave me pause a little bit because you you know there are people in the NFL that look at every season as an opportunity and you know, they, they go back to the Theo Epstein, every season is sacred and they're yeah. less willing to sacrifice winning because of that possibility. Well, well, two responses to that. Number one, like I've sat through enough of those where it's almost just obligatory to just throw it out there. So people know that you're dreaming the biggest dreams, even when you know, practically it's not going to happen overnight. Um, and so look, I, I, I've, I've had George McCaskey every year going into the season, talk about that. Oh, every year we're uh, aiming to win the Super Bowl, And you know, you're like, well, George, your team's going to win six games this year. So like, I'm glad you're aiming there, but you're going to miss by, you know, a country mile. And it's not even worth entertaining that as a realistic premise. What I would say to the second point of that is it, when you look at the, the quarterbacks that played this weekend, be thankful that you're in the NFC because we're talking about Lawrence versus Mahomes. We're talking about Burrow versus Allen. And then we come over to the NFC and you got Purdy versus Prescott and obviously Jalen Hurts, an MVP candidate against Daniel Jones. And you go, wow, the quarterback landscape is so much different here and that it does give you the opening to to make a run at things. Again, look like just look in your own division. Where are the Lions going with Jared Goff? Not sure. What are the Packers doing with Aaron Rodgers? Not sure. How much time does Kirk Cousins have left in the uh, hourglass up in Minnesota? Not sure. And so when you can start to see some of those openings, it does tell you, okay, this is more open than having to go through uh, uh, an absolute minefield of Burrow, Mahomes, uh, Herbert, you know, Josh Allen, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, Russell Wilson, if he comes back, Lamar Jackson, if he's still in Baltimore, it's it's just a, a different world over there in that, that other conference. And so the Bears do have a better chance playing in the NFC. See, that's why those two points are almost competing forces, because 
Yeah, you want to tell George every year, oh, yeah, great, you're not going to do this or that. But you know what? On the other hand, you could because you're in the NFC and you're in a division that's very winnable every year. And as far as long as or as soon as Aaron Rodgers leaves the division, goodness sakes, it's up for grabs. And so it might be up for grabs now. I, I know what you're saying, and I think sometimes you just get carried away a little bit, and I find myself trying to, like, you know, do tap the brakes because – if I look at a roster and I'm, I, for, I you know, who does, who, who enjoys rebuilds? I mean, it's, it's awful to watch, but I think that in the NFC, there's real opportunity because they don't have these generational type quarterbacks every, every time you turn around on the schedule. It's why I go back to the sentiment of trying to test Ryan Poles' true patience. And you're going to be tempted at some point as a general manager to be uh, reaching for that, that quick high. You know, that, that, that Bears fans have known in the 21st century. Let's let's get 21, you know, 2001. I mean, let's get 2005, 2006. Let's get 10. Let's get 18. They want to get to a point where you're talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, a four or five year span where you're missing the playoffs once, you right. know, not making the playoffs once. And right. so like that's where, where the general manager's vision and, and sturdiness and ability to be disciplined through all that has to be uh, really, really rock solid because it can be tempting in the scenario that you mentioned to be like, oh, man, if we just chase it this year, we can get that quick fix that will make everyone feel good. But long term, we know it's a little bit hollow. Okay, before we get to my domino approach to everything that happened over the weekend, I want to ask you this. Besides Patrick Mahomes, what do you think is the most uh, the biggest reason for the Chiefs to sustain success? When they talk about the fact that they are they have built this roster to compete each and every year. Obviously, guys like me will say, well, yeah, of course, you got Patrick Mahomes and you got a little lucky there. But if you had to remove him from the equation, you know, Chad Henney is your quarterback. Well, Whoever, what, what is what is the biggest reason for their sustained success? Well, I was just going to say we have removed him from the equation at times, including this weekend when Chad Henney led a 98-yard touchdown drive that ended up being the end result in the game. You go back before Patrick Mahomes or even Patrick Mahomes' rookie season, and Alex Smith was winning divisions and, and, and positioning them to be in the playoffs. And so Andy Reid deserves a lot of credit for this. Andy Reid's ability to mold pieces together to get the best best out of guys by knowing what they do best is is notable. This isn't Andy's first rodeo. Andy had a run of sustained success in Philadelphia that at the time was considered, okay, you know, they haven't gotten over the hump. They haven't brought home that Lombardi trophy, but my goodness, they were playing on conference championship Sunday on a regular basis because that head coach knows the formula for doing these things. So I think there's a lot to that. They traded Tyreek Hill away and you thought, okay, this offense is going to come back a little bit. It didn't come back at all. <laughs> Actually, Patrick Mahomes had, had numbers that were comparable or better in, in pretty much every category. And so that tells you something about a, a coach and his staff and their ability to, to mold those pieces around it. Uh, I got a text from a friend of ours. I won't name on the podcast, but you'll know very well who it is and saying that, Hey, it looked like uh, Matt Nagy as a quarterback's coach did a pretty good job uh, getting, getting his quarterback ready to play for this season and this postseason. And so, right, right. Like Matt Nagy, the bum here now is back on a staff that knows how to move things around and they're, they're producing, Obviously, Mahomes' transcendent talent is part of that, but it just tells you that, that Andy Reid deserves a lot of credit for who he is and what he does. Well, I thought you were going to tell me that the Chiefs basically just just replaced Tyreek Hill with Matt Nagy, and <laughs> that was a good trade-off, and now that's why you're seeing them not miss a step. I, I, I also think that defensively, you talk about the coaching of Andy Reid. I think Steve Spagnuolo has provided a degree of continuity 
that was lacking maybe with Chiefs defenses and not that they're going to be a defense that you fully trust all the time. They have given the Chiefs a, a level of uh, consistency that they can you know, win with. Now, maybe not because of, but win with. Yeah, and, and and you know it goes back to playing complimentary football and knowing how to do that and knowing how to do that on the big stage when the lights are the brightest. And once again, now you've gotten to a point where experience is on your side. You've been in these moments. You know that when a game at home against a, a feisty Jaguars team gets a little bit tense late, that you've got some of that DNA within you to go that route. I think we got confused in in parts of uh, November and December here in this market on understanding what the phrase learn to win was intended to explain. And it was, how do you finish? How do you take close games and make sure that they consistently wind up on your side? The Chiefs obviously know how to do that. And now they know how to do that on the biggest stage. And they're once again, have an opportunity one game on Sunday to go back to the Super Bowl. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Okay, we don't have a name for this, but we're going to come up with one because there are a lot of things that happen, little things maybe they were said during press conferences or little developments that are coming after the fact that I want to get your impressions of because, as we said, we look through the Chicago prism and you wonder if it could at all affect the Bears. So let's start with this. Daniel Jones stunk (laughs) against the Eagles. The the Giants barely showed up and in getting beaten 38 to seven, it raised some doubts about what kind of season they had after all. Last week, we're singing the praises of Brian Dable. This week, New Yorkers are wondering what exactly they had in this first year of success. Now that is typical New York to me, a little bit of an overreaction, but Daniel Jones, after going 15 to 27, 135 yards, 53.8 passer rating. If he moves on, first of all, will he move on? And is him possibly moving on have any impact potentially on whether or not another team might be looking at the number one overall draft pick and you add another team to the mix of potential suitors who could possibly make a deal with the Bears? Well, I've gotten a sense from folks up in New York that there is a hope that they can take what was an encouraging year by Daniel Jones before this weekend and get him back on a deal that makes sense for both sides. Short term, you don't need to sign him to a nine-year contract, 10-year contract, but but bring him back on something that makes sense and, and try to see what you can get out of that ongoing relationship with Brian Dable. Is Daniel Jones built strong enough psychologically to be a bridge guy if you decide to do that and then you go draft a young player to develop i don't know it's it's another again the nfc is in such flux with with teams that that kind of sort of have answers at quarterback but kind of sort of don't and this is another one that you're right if, if they decide to go in a different direction what does that look like and and 
then what are their options for maneuvering? Um, and so, listen, before we finish this episode, remind me to give you my domino effect uh proposition for you that we can talk through at the end that relates to the playoffs. But I, it's it's a fascinating question, David, because there's going to be so much quarterback movement. And now the question is, is which teams move for veterans, which teams want the rookies, which teams are, are, are kind of caught in the middle and don't know what to do. And you've got, you know, the Daniel Joneses, the Derek Carrs, the, you know, guys that'll be changing senior Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you oh, know, wait, they, they, I got more. Oh yeah. yeah, I got more, I, yeah. yeah I, let me not step uh, step in your path then. We digress. But uh, <laughs> if I'm, if I'm Joe Shane, I think Daniel Jones, you got to keep him. You got to, you got to build up the continuity and give Brian Dable a chance to prove he's as smart as everybody thinks he is. And the fact that he can build off of this, what could be a coach of the year, rookie season in New York. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers, Adam Schefter, who doesn't really throw things around lightly. He is the NFL's, you know, he's an NFL insider who does it as well as anybody. He mentioned that there's a quote, real possibility that Aaron Rodgers will be traded by the Packers. Now I wonder this, not just about the ramifications, because as you're, as you point out, you're right. The, another team moving on from a quarterback or another veteran quarterback landing somewhere uh, on a team that doesn't that needs one now and might not need one if they get him because the Packers might be moving to Jordan Love. How does that get out there, Dan? Because I don't think that Aaron Rodgers has as much to gain from being traded as much as the Packers do because you can't let him retire and potentially get nothing in return, which they might be looking at next year if they has one more year and then retires. This is the offseason for them to get something back if indeed Aaron Rodgers is going to not finish his career as a Packer. Well, I think he's got $110 million left on, uh, on that contract that somebody's going to have to be willing to take on or convince the Packers that they should swallow a chunk of it and, and help out. Um, how does it get out there? It's the most fascinating question because there's two possible ways. It's either the Packers wanting to let the rest of the league know, hey, we're open for business. If you got any offers, give us a ring. Uh, the Goot is, is on the other line waiting for your call. and He, he wants to hear the, the, the highest possible offer. The other possibility is that Aaron Rodgers simply wants to change the scenery and, and he and his camp want to, uh, you know, get in a, a scenario where they let other teams know, hey, if you want me, call, call my employer and see if they'll if they'll budge and, and, and let me roll. Obviously, it was a disappointing 2022 for the Packers. And I think they saw that, OK, this thing is uh headed down a path that we didn't expect it to get to this quickly. And now you have to sort of make difficult decisions and look like I, I tell Packers fans all the time that say, Oh, it's t good riddance. It's time to move on. Let's flip the page from Aaron Rodgers. Just like be careful what you wish for, because the idea that Jordan love is just going to be a difference making starter is, uh, you know, again, it's like betting green on the roulette wheel. And, and you don't know that you certainly odds are against that being the case. And, and so if you get caught in a 25 year span where you can't solidify that position, you're going to see what the other side of the world experienced for the last 30 years while you had Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, playoff berth, playoff berth, division championship, playoff berth, conference championship bid, etc. Um, that way, listen, it's off-season drama with Rodgers is, is predictable. It's always compelling. It's always fascinating. And we'll wait for a resolution. What happens if he goes out for a reunion with the, Devontae Adams in Vegas? And then the Packers... See, <laughs> I, I don't think that makes as much sense to me because that team is not on the cusp of anything except for maybe falling apart a little bit more. I, I look at a team 
like the Jets adding a quarterback, or maybe if Daniel Jones moves on, the Giants adding a quarterback. New York would be perfect for Aaron Rodgers. He loves the stage. He's a football diva. He'd be great off Broadway. <laughs> so I, I think that would be possible. And as Adam Studzinski, our ace producer, points out, there's an enormous amount of a dead, dead cap uh space or a dead cap hit this year i've seen it reported a big range of reports dan i'm not quite sure what that number is everywhere from 99 million to 52 million it's it's a big number and i don't know how realistic it is for a team to add it but that rumor didn't get out there accidentally no and and look if you're the packers and you make that deal you're punting on 2023 you're you're you have officially shifted gears into a a future realm because you're not going to be able to compete with however much dead cap money is there and and you're obviously subtracting a four-time mvp from your roster so uh those are tough decisions but that's why the goot is in that chair and we'll see what the goot does and at some point (laughs) though you've got to move on from aaron Rodgers, and you've got to be willing to get what you can and maybe it is uh, several draft picks and you're in a position where you can absorb some of that that and i i don't know it's just something that when you see these reports surface and this won't be the last one because the next one tom brady apparently told teammates in tampa that if he comes back and plays it won't be in tampa bay with the buccaneers it will be somewhere else so i got to wonder you've got some changes with the new offense coordinator in tampa you they're going to be one of those teams that would be compelled perhaps to move up to the top five to, to start over with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, and, and that's what you want if you're Ryan Poles. You want a whole long list of suitors that are coming to you with different propositions, and you're able to say, hey, we got this call yesterday. This is what they offered. What do you got today? And then you just play this out over the course of weeks and months until you get a deal that makes absolute perfect sense for you. Um Look, like I, I, it's 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 a great position to be in if you're the Bears. Obviously, you wouldn't want to be in that position with a three and fourteen record and a roster with as many holes as the Bears have. But given where they are, you can't ask for a better situation in January, February, March, and April than than what Ryan Poles has to do because he's got an opportunity now to make a lot of moves. Um, you know, the Brady thing. It's like this is it, it's asinine that we're still talking about this. Tom Brady is my age, and like we were at a point eight years ago where we're like, he's got to be on his last legs. And I, he said it for his 46th birthday, right? And, and and we're still we're still talking about him starting at quarterback in the NFL. It, like it blows your mind when you take even a half breath to back up and go, you know, at some point he's just got to say that's it, I'm done, like enough. Uh, but it doesn't seem like it's headed that direction. Well, I know, and that's why we, you you watch it closely because if you're the Bears at number one overall in the draft position, and you are staring at possibly the Colts at number four, making a deal because they want a quarterback. Chris Ballard is, is kind of, <laughs> this is his, his hobby is collecting former uh, great quarterbacks and seeing how, if they have anything left, he very easily could be the guy you could envision signing Tom Brady, trying to trade for Aaron Rodgers, adding Derek Carr, whatever the case may be. Chris Ballard at four might surprise everybody, disappoint some people in Indy by not going for the rookie and just adding the veteran and repeating history. And we don't know who their coach is going to be yet. So we don't know how inclined that coach will be to either want to go young or stay competitive. So that's why all these possibilities have, if you look at it it, it, through the Chicago prism, we should get a Chicago prism, then, um, then actually 
it does make sense to consider all possibilities. There was a time not that long ago where where quarterback movement in the offseason was not what it is now. But we've entered in the last two or three years, you know, big names, changing cities, changing teams. It's become the norm and, and it's become fascinating and it allows for a lot of debate in situations like this until the dominoes finally settle. I mean, last year was another year where it was like all of a sudden, guys, Russell Wilson's going here, Matt Ryan's going here, Carson Wentz is shooting off there, you know, it just it's it's just become wild and it's going to remain wild uh until teams find their 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 hope and obviously we mentioned in the afc there's a lot more teams that have found their hope than they have than there are in the nfc one more observation quarterback related that just reinforces how how much the draft has not maybe not changed but just how much we value the draft draft position and draft status if brock purdy were a second-round draft pick from Iowa State and plugged into the 49er offense and doing what he has done, I think we would be viewing what he has done a lot differently. As it is, we appreciate it, we celebrate it, but there's always in the back, well, you know, he was Mr. Irrelevant. He was drafted in the seventh round. Did you see that quick slant was a little bit to the right? And, you know, you don't want to throw to the numbers because he can't make that throw yet. I know that. He's still, he is Mr. Irrelevant, but he's having a huge impact on these playoffs. And I think Brock Purdy is one victory away (laughs) from taking his team to the Super Bowl and being the most doubted starting quarterback in the Super Bowl since Rex Grossman. Now, we know that didn't end well, but I'm just saying that Brock Purdy, to me, deserves at least your respect, our respect for being able to manage his anxiety to clear that low bar but the bar is even lower because of where he was drafted. Had he been a second rounder, we'd be talking about him as a future franchise quarterback. I hung on to the hope for Rex Grossman much longer than I should have. I, I, I mean, like Rex made a throw in that playoff win over the Seahawks in overtime that was like, okay, all right, played pretty well against the Saints in the NFC Championship game. And you thought, okay, like for all the ups and downs that this guy's been through, he's going to go uh, with, with a defense that can help him on a, on a big stage with a chance. I always wondered if he didn't throw that, that pick six and had taken the Bears down instead for a score on that drive, how much different everything would have been for his career for the Chicago Bears. Now, listen, Rex went on to multiple stops and, and didn't, clear the hurdles that, that people in Chicago wanted him to clear. And so it wasn't like, okay, you know, it was just waiting in there to be tapped into and they never got to it. It just, it, it wasn't there. But I bring that up just to say that there, there are, you know, life comes at you fast and it didn't take uh, Rex Grossman very long to go from being the starter of a Super Bowl team to being benched permanently and then coming back in for a couple starts a few years down the road. But, it, you know, like, a year from now, we may be having a totally different conversation about Brock Purdy. We don't know where this thing's going to head. It's going to be fascinating to watch how he plays this weekend in a really, really good game against an Eagles defense that I think has established itself as pretty damn imposing at this point. Um, and so we'll see. You know, but like I can't even hear Rex's name without going back into that that sort of dream world of of 2006. And 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 for the Bears, it's the last time that they were truly, really, really, really good and you're just like man that's an eternity ago and so many things come at you quick in this league i only bring him up because number one the similarities in the fact that he's more of a passenger as as pretty yes yeah. on, on this team but played well like people 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 knock i mean that nfc championship game you were there you watched it well. yeah. yeah 
No doubt about it. Also, he was given more chances and higher expectations because of his draft status. He was a first-round draft pick. You know, Brock Purdy was the last guy taken. So, yeah, you're right. It takes a little bit more time before we know what we have or what the 49ers have in Purdy. But it, it has been fun for me to watch because he made a couple big throws. And, sure, George Kittle helped him yeah. out with a great catch. But that's always going to happen with any quarterback in any game. Well, let's also just talk about what the 49ers got when they threw their chips in on Christian McCaffrey in October, you know, and what the the difference that that dude has made in that offense to take an already solid offense up a level. I don't think they've lost since they've gotten him. Right. I don't think that I think that they're undefeated since that trade went off. And that's a that's a bold trade to make at that time of year. And it's obviously paid dividends for uh, for for John Lynch. And they're going against an Eagles team that added some pieces on the on their defensive interior and front seven at the trade deadline. You wonder if it will affect how teams view the trade deadline moving forward. All right, a couple other quick things I want to get your impressions on as far as takeaways or things we heard pre and post game during the weekend. Uh, Saquon Barkley says he's not interested in setting the market in free agency for running backs. Obviously, with David Montgomery, a free agent with the Bears unsettled at that position, Saquon Barkley, we've talked about him before. We'll continue to address the possibility. Did did that comment pique your curiosity any more than it has already piqued? Well, this is a, a thorough but not totally complete list of running backs that are due to hit free agency in a couple months. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Jamal Williams, Kareem Hunt, Jarek McKinnon, Dave Montgomery, Devin Singletary, Damian Harris, possibly Tony Pollard. That is a a, a really nice shelf for folks to be shopping off of. I don't know what 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 Saquon Barkley's long-term sort of vision is for his career and what he wants it to be. Um, but what were you, what were your what were your takeaways on that cuz it, it it is another piece in that puzzle in New York that that has to be figured out. I'd be very tempted. I'd be very tempted if I'm Ryan Poles depending on the price. I know it's not a premium position, but you put Saquon Barkley behind Justin Fields and all of a sudden you've got a video game Bear style. And, and, and in an offense where, where Luke Getze likes dedicating himself to the run out of, you know, like, listen, like Luke would throw it 90% of the time if he could, but he also ha- hasn't shown the stubbornness to say, like, we can't develop a, a reliable, fortified ground game. You, you throw Sa- Saquon Barkley in there and the, the league's best rushing attack suddenly got more dangerous. Yeah. And you play to the strengths of your offensive line, whatever it's constituted of with in, in, in terms of new pieces and, and leftovers and holdovers. So I, I do think it's not something that we should just dismiss because, oh, Saquon Barkley would never come to Chicago. Money talks and certainly their emphasis on the running game would appeal to any running back. So I think you have to consider that as a possibility. So when he said that, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's very interesting indeed. All right. The tight ends. You look at the four teams in in the final four in the championship round or the conference championship round, and you've got Kittle, you've got Goder, you've got uh, Kelsey. Kelsey. And obviously those Hayden Hurst. Three, yeah, Hayden Hurst. But the three big ones are, are teams that when you look at a commonality between the conferences – you know, you wonder after what Kelsey did with 14 catches, after the way Kittle helped his quarterback win that game, can we talk about what Justin Fields can do to become Jalen Hurts and take that next step? Is Cole Komet, I know he's your guy, but I mean, is Cole Komet capable of becoming somebody like that as he as he ascends in his second year in the same offense? Well, he's not just my guy. He's Ryan Poles' guy. Ryan Poles told you that he was the one blue chip candidate 
outside of Justin Fields on his roster and he couldn't come up with a second name earlier this month. And so they obviously have high hopes about, about where his career is headed. Uh, you know, look, like he, he's more a, a, of a Kittle type tight end than a, a Kelsey type tight end. You're never going to get that, that, um, damage that Travis Kelsey does. I mean, Travis Kelsey is going to be a first ballot hall of famer now with the production he's having in Kansas city. Komet plays more of that Kittle role where you can rely on him as a, as a grinding blocker in the running game and then slip him out and get, get some pass production. I don't think he's as good as George Kittle. That's not to say he can't get to those levels. He certainly can, could be a Dallas Goddard type in terms of what he, what he lends to an offense. Um, I'd like to see them get him more help at the position, you know, and be able to, to, to run some different personnel groupings out there and, and be able to utilize some things. Uh, that's your hope. I mean, when the general manager singles you out as a, 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 blue chip building block on the roster. The hope is that you become more than just a, a starter that you become a every week impact starter. And so that's what the bears need Cole Komet to be going forward. Otherwise their endorsements of him aren't, aren't valid. When you're a team like the bears and you could end up drafting anywhere in the first round, depending on how much wheeling and dealing you do, I think it would be a fascinating dilemma for the bears to be facing. Okay. You're 17, you're 18 after trading down twice, say, and there's Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame tied in. <laughs> <laughs> on on the board and you're looking at Cole Komet's already on your roster. What do you do there? Do you stockpile tight ends? Not a premium position, but I do think there's all kinds of fun stuff to consider because Michael Mayer is one of those guys that when, you know, when you project out, it's supposed to be somebody like Kittle and Goddard and Kelsey. You just don't know. He's supposed to be the best tight end available. That would be that, I think that would not be something I'd recommend for the Bears, but it would be fun for them to consider. Yeah, nor would I. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend that route. I would say that this is we're right back in the same spot we're so used to with the Bears, where it's like no matter what they do with that first round pick, you're going to go, oh yeah, makes sense. They need help there. <laughs> you know, like right. Every, they need help everywhere. The last thing I have was just something that is very familiar, but boy, it never gets old. Well, Robbie Gold never gets old, apparently, because he turned 40 in December. December 6th, he celebrated his 40th birthday. And on Sunday, he hit his 29th straight field goal in the playoffs during his career in the 23rd straight since the Bears decided to cut him before the 2016 season, one of the dumbest moves they've ever made in retrospect. Robbie Gold still going strong, and it looked like he was laughing. He was having such a good time. It looked like he was just amused, like, oh, boy, the Cowboys have their head case at quarterback or kicker with the case of the yips, and here I am kicking four more field goals to lead my team to a victory. I'm going to give you a tangent, and then I'm going to get into my domino effect part of the Robbie Gold conversation, which I asked you to ask me about here. So the tangent is that we had my son's birthday party, and for my son's birthday party, after we went and played basketball with his friends for an hour, we went over to a restaurant to watch 49ers Cowboys. Every kid, there were 11 kids there, got an index card. On one side was a 49ers player. On the other side was a Cowboys player. If any of those players scored, they got to pick from the candy basket. So my son had a first choice in the envelope because it was his birthday and he pulled an envelope. His Cowboys player was Peyton Hendershot, who literally 30 seconds after he pulled the card, it showed up on the uh, on the, the, the TV. Peyton Hendershot out for, for tonight's oh, game. Boy. So he's pissed. He turns it over. He says, Robbie Gold. He goes, Robbie Gold. Oh, man. I, I, like, I wanted a better 49 than this. I said, sit still. This is going to be pretty good for you. Four trips to the candy basket later, he's got himself a little stockpile of, of candy that, you know, uh, me and my wife were actually trying to get rid of, and now it's back in our household. So uh, that's the aside there. You mentioned the numbers. 
67 for 67 all time in postseason kicks. That's field goals and extra points. Has never missed a kick in the postseason. This is stuff that when Robbie comes up for Hall of Fame conversation, you cannot ignore. You know, right? Like this guy has played forever. He scored a ton of points. He's the all-time leading scorer of one of the NFL's charter franchises. He's got this sparkling postseason track record of being clutch. And so here, here was the ripple effect to this because you think about David. The day that Robbie Gold was let go, I know I was stunned. This is Labor Day weekend of 2016, and the ripple effect traces back to a couple weeks before that when old Hironis Grassu tore his ACL in a family fest practice at Soldier Field. And a lot of people don't, don't think back to all of this, but all of a sudden the Bears' offensive line was in flux. Cornelius Edison was the Bears' backup center in that moment. And John Foxman said, oh, man, we're going to the season with Cornelius Edison as our center? Like, what, what are we doing? How are we doing this? So eventually the Bears slide Cody Whitehair over to center. And in order to fill that spot at guard, they went and got a guy from up in Green Bay who had just been let go and needed to pay him. Josh Sitton came and ended up being a Pro Bowl contributor for the Bears. But in order to clear room for Josh Sitton on the roster, they had him find some space to cut on the salary. And so it's no coincidence that on the, on the, the weekend that the bears signed Josh Sitton was the exact same weekend that Robbie gold was let go. And I know for a fact that those two things were related and they thought the easiest possible way to clear salary space was to get rid of a kicker because kickers don't matter. And Oh my gosh, did bears fans learn better over the last six or seven years in a lot of different ways on how much good reliable kickers actually matter. That's quite a domino effect. Hironis <laughs> Grasso and the Soldier Field turf. I think that you need to, number one, find out where is Hironis Grasso now. And secondly, you need to write that before the NFC Championship game. That would be a great story in ChicagoTribune.com. I would read it. Yeah, well, I just told it to you, so we can just transcribe. We can just really dead, huh, Dan? We can transcribe it, okay, and then put I'm, it. Look, I'm trying to throw you a lifeline here, saying, okay, I need the the element of the printed word. I still appreciate that as a writer. No, but you're right, I, but I, like literally, that's it. And like again, if you want to trace it back as far as the the sod at Soldier that's Field, and I mean, we could probably find a, a, a some concert that was had at Soldier Field <laughs> nine days before Hironis Grassu went down that we could blame for the injury, right? This is Kenny Chesney's fault. <laughs> I'm going to find the Soldier Field summer 2016 schedule. Okay. And, if and it's we'll, Taylor Swift, we're just not going to talk about it any longer. Okay, <laughs> we're just going to pretend it never happened. All right, anything else? Because this has been a fun one. The, the life through the Bears prism, that's the way we see January's in Chicago. Yeah, my last thing is just watching Jalen Hurts play. Um, it's truly impressive right now. And we mentioned in the outset how much he's got going on around him. Obviously, he's got the playmakers, but they're so fortified up front that he that he's comfortable back there. When I look at Jalen Hurts, I see uh, and I compare him to Justin Fields. Justin Fields, to me, is a, a much more dangerous runner. I think Justin Fields has more arm talent. What Jalen Hurts has done at this point to distinguish himself is that he's seeing it. And he's reacting and he's knowing where to go to, with the football without putting it in harm's way a lot. And that is the next step for Justin Fields. He can certainly get on that ladder and climb that step. But that is where Jalen Hurts has, has made himself a better quarterback at this point than Justin Fields, who has more physical weapons uh, in his toolbox, I think, than Jalen Hurts has. So it's fascinating to watch a guy who's going to be now in the MVP conversation playing for a chance to win uh, the NFC, and now all of a sudden you've got a guy in, in Justin Fields who can look at that and go, okay, what does he do that I don't? And maybe I can try to emulate that a little bit. Great points. Good stuff. And thank you, 
all for listening to us kind of talk through the playoffs and mention some of the Bears connections and all of the dominoes as they begin to fall. We will do that again when we drop on Friday morning. A lot of stuff going on in the coaching ranks, a lot of stuff going on in front offices. Maybe there'll be some news to cover and to address. And we will be right here for you on the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Also on the 670 Sports YouTube page, you can watch us talk, you can watch us laugh, and we can give you all kinds of information, insight, and opinion. Thank you for joining us today. We will talk to you on Friday.